<laughs> I, I lied, I guess, in my update uh, episode. I, yeah, yeah. It, it, it lasted a, a very brief period. So It lasted a two-minute episode. So <laughs> This will be the slightly okay, longer update, and then people will perhaps be more excited or I don't know, maybe, maybe they'd be more excited with, with just you and with me actually. Not <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't, that's, that's like that's 50% of the dream team, you know, yeah, so <laughs> for context, for anyone who listened to the first update episode, I was originally planning not to commit to doing made you think stuff for now, but then Neil and I started catching up and it sounded too much fun. So here we are, <laughs> it's happening. Yep, exactly. I mean, there's, there's just like, there's something magical about made you think. And I think, we're both excited to bring that back. Did something disconnect on your side? It's being very strange. I may need to just reboot it after this, but your computer, your phone. <laughs> yeah, everything is just like being All weird today. Well, yeah. And so this is the problem is like, I, I feel like crypto is going to be very paranoid about security stuff. And so when things start acting weirdly, then I start to worry that, like, ah, oh, fuck, like somebody's in my in my system has my passwords whatever like yep i don't know have you um because of because of crypto and i know you you've gone down this whole developer like self-education path as well have you learned about security and just like i mean i'm sure you've learned about it in terms of like best practices but just more about like how it actually works. Cause I, I know nothing about it. So <laughs> I know like some best practices, which I try to follow, but that's, that's about it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm more on the currency side of cryptocurrency than the cryptography side. I, uh, I feel like I'm, I feel like I have decently good security set up at this point, but I could probably do a better job. And I'm sure there's some stuff I do that a deal would look at and be very disappointed in me. So I should probably. <laughs> step it up a little bit but well one one thing he and I had talked about last week that you had shared like a long oh, oh it's been a while but when you had that like scraping hack issue like the fact that you shared that I feel like probably helped a lot of people I don't know I feel yeah, like you probably yeah. saved other people from making the same mistake oh almost definitely I mean so for context god we have like so much stuff to try to catch up on I know people <laughs> in like <laughs> and we've got 42 minutes to do it so here we go uh so yeah, I mean, I like accidentally published the seed phrase for my crypto wallet on GitHub while like learning how to do Solidity programming, and I didn't realize it right away. And then that let some somebody probably just had a bot running looking for people to accidentally publish their seed phrase, found it, uh, and they managed to like steal about thirty grand from that wallet before I figured out what was going Jeez. on and was able to stop it. <laughs> so. That was not a very fun day. No, but, but like, yeah, I think the point the point that we were talking about is that like most people would just, you know, I mean, people would take that L, but they wouldn't talk about it. And the fact that you right, right. publicly shared it uh, in some ways, like it adds like it makes you more trustworthy, number one. But like number two, it also just shows that, you know, you were kind of publicly sharing your lear- like learning process. I mean, I'm sure tons of people have had that happen to them. If someone's built this spot, that, that's oh, totally. This. You can't be the only one. No, no. And I mean, there's, you know, there, it's a fairly like opaque field to try to get into just like crypto development in general. And oh, yeah. I was I was having this conversation with somebody the other day where you have this weird problem of the people who are very good at it can just make such insane amounts of money that there's really 
nowhere close to the incentive to make educational material unless they enjoy making it. So you don't have a ton of educational material being made. Uh, and what you do have being made is just inherently not be being, not getting made by the very best people at it. So, Oh, interesting. It's like one of those, like those that can't do teach type of situations. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't, I don't want to be unfair to the people who are teaching it because there are really good people who do teach it, right? Like Nader Dabit. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but he puts out really, really good material and he's like legitimately good at it. But he's like yep. one of the only people. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, think of think of how many people do really good courses on like JavaScript or oh, there's uh, so many. Yeah. Yeah, there's like so many, but just sort of like inherent to the skill set of solidity programming is like if you're really good at it, then you're literally like programming money. And a, a single person who's very good at it can, you know, build bots or work on some new DeFi protocol or like, you know, the the income potential from Solidity as a skill set is probably the highest of almost any skill in the world. And so there's very little incentive to then say like, oh, okay, I'll do some like YouTube videos on right. like, teaching it. So it makes it kind of hard to get into. I mean, the, the good part of learning crypto programming is every single uh, like smart contract is basically open source. Uh, you know, they, they're still copyrighted, but the code is always published online then, and anybody can go read it. So there, there's almost no like trade secrets on how to do stuff because if you want to know how something works, you can literally just go read the code. Just go open um, it up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is pretty nifty. So that that helps make up for the lack of educational material is you can just go read how other people are doing things whenever you want. You might not deal with this problem or maybe you do. So I'm just going to ask you, it might be an irrelevant question, but like I'm, I'm into the space, but I'm not nearly as deep as you are. How in the world do you keep up with everything that's happening? I mean, there's so much. I feel like I've never seen a space move this fast in my entire life. Obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not like super old. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 31 now, but so, but I feel like I've seen a, like we saw the mobile stuff happen. We saw like, you know, all the gig economy stuff happen. We were there for the like early, like, you know, not the super early part of the internet, but like the first sort of, uh, like, you know, we kind of grew up with it and I've never seen anything move as fast as Web3. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. So how in the I, world do you keep up with it? You kind of have to just give up on trying to keep up on all of yes. it. Yes. Okay. Uh, That's what I've done. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just focus on like a few things that I find interesting and then that's basically it. Our, our recurring special guest, Pepper, scratching at the door, wanted to come in. So Oh, she knew an episode was happening. She knew. So, she knew. Yeah. She knew we were talking. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe like four years ago, you could stay up to date on, quote unquote, everything going on in crypto. But as, as the industry has gotten more mature and as there's more and more teams doing things, it's basically impossible at this point. Like... You know, one, you, you pretty much have to pick a niche to stay up to date on, whether that's, you know, decentralized finance or NFTs or gaming or, you know, new chains or whatever. And then even within that, you kind of have to pick like a specific chain to stay on top of, right? Like it's pretty hard staying up on Solana and Ethereum and Avalanche and, you know, Polygon or whatever at the same time, like depending on how much of your day you want to spend just reading right. Twitter threads. Like it's yeah. it's really wild just how much stuff is getting done now. And I think that's like 
That's what makes it kind of, or that's what makes it really cool now compared to, gosh, when we did that first crypto episode back in 2017, 2018. Is, no, 2017. It was 27. It was the beginning so of that 2017 bull run. Yeah. 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 We should, we should do like a, a, uh, how well did this episode age episode or yeah. something? <laughs> um, but I mean, back then, right. It was like all you could do basically was buy coins. Right? right, there was just like a lot of promises of oh, someday you'll be able to do stuff with these coins, but there wasn't really anything to do. Now you can like do stuff, and there's like a lot of cool things you can do. Whether you're like building, you know, DeFi tools or building video games, right? Like you know, NFT speculating, whatnot. Like you can actually work in the space now and actually do things, and that's pretty neat. And that that's what makes it feel very different now than. When there was that crazy bull run in 2017, it was then it was just like yep. pure price speculation, and now there's like actual stuff going on. So, yep, yeah, and also I feel like the other thing is that the traditional systems are are working much less effectively than they were at that time. Yeah. Not like they were not like they were hitting on all cylinders at that time, but now it just kind of also feels more urgent to have these new solutions to 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 I guess problems that are in the system. Oh, totally. I, I think just everything we saw in the last year with all the money printing and you know, legitimate, both legitimate inflation fears and just pretty either like blatant lying or s- concerning incompetence around the like issues with printing that much money, right? Like, yep. and censorship. And, Censorship's the other thing, right? Yeah, like all that the crazy too. deplatforming that's been happening. Oh God, yeah. I mean, not just even the deplatforming, but sort of this like weird. I don't think it's like an explicit collusion, but sort of like incentivized accidental collusion between like media and politicians to like oh, yeah. allow <laughs> certain narratives to p- proliferate and not others. Right. Like I, I don't know really matter how I, wrong they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, there's a, the, it was almost, it was probably like almost a year where like lab leak was considered a like conspiracy theory and would get like, you know, hidden on like Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. Right. And then yep. it was like overnight, I don't know, this government it decided normal. it was okay to think that again. <laughs> yep, <laughs> right? exactly. Right. I mean, shit, I remember like we were talking a bit in like February or whatever leading up to it. I think because we'd done the emergency episode. Right? Yes, exactly. And, and it was like, oh, wow, this is actually like the kind of thing that that you know, episode was talking about being prepared for. And I, I felt so vindicated too. Because I had like all these, I had all these N95 masks and like the boxes of rice and bottled water yep. and stuff that you Dude, know. I sardines, man. Sardines. Yeah. I know you don't like fish. You're not a big fan of fish, right? If I remember <laughs> that, that, correctly. I've gotten a but... lot better. I, I I like fish a lot more than I used to now. Okay. I was gonna say like sardines are like the perfect survival food because mm-hmm. lots of protein, they last forever in those cans and there are some good like you know good brands now that they used to like all i I think be packed in like seed oils but yeah um there's some good ones now i think like i think it's wild planet i could be wild planet i think yeah where it's packed in like olive oil with uh lemon or something i think so yep yeah i just have like boxes of that (laughs) yeah (laughs) because i feel like the car like it's not it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to get carbohydrates and you, you you could probably survive without carbs yeah but getting protein in a really bad situation i feel like would be hard yeah the nice thing with something like a sardine is it's a whole animal so you get like a really diverse protein and fat profile yep Yep. versus 
if you're eating hamburger, like you can't live on hamburger, but I think you could live on sardines, like exclusively sardines for like a long time. Really? Um, okay. That's even, I mean, even yeah, you bigger, probably, we're not sponsored by wild planet. No, maybe, no, uh, exactly. <laughs> I, I need to fact check myself on this, but it's sort of like a thing where people who do the carnivore diet, if they yeah. don't get enough, uh, or they don't meat, do like organ meats. Yeah, yeah. You got to have like a lot of organ. Cause just like pure burger is not super nutritionally diverse not be enough. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know about, podcasting 2.0 i don't i know you didn't listen to the uh the update episode but that was actually no, mentioned in there what's podcasting 2.0? so i'm still learning about it <clears throat> but you know how like podcasts are done on and and by the way if this is a wrong way to explain it somebody please fact check me but podcasts in general are done via like an open feed right like you we post it to our feed and then that proliferates on different platforms like we are not mm-hmm. posting to spotify and posting to soundcloud and posting to uh anchor and posting to like apple podcast separately like our content is on sort of this open platform right i mean it's right. not really an open platform it's more of a protocol kind of i think that's probably the right word for it so there are a bunch of things in podcast 2.0 which i don't really understand but i guess the open source group that maintains that protocol um some things recently uh, I think there's a guy named Adam Curry who I haven't listened to his Rogan episode yet, but I think he apparently explained a lot of it on there. So the thing that I enabled for Made You Think was there's something called value for value, which basically lets people tip us um, directly in Bitcoin using the Lightning Network. Whoa, and that's cool. and so it's so it's kind of like Patreon, but without any centralized authority at all. It's huh. basically tied to a wallet address that I set up. Uh, you know, we have the key. They, you know, nobody else has that key. People can tip it. The only problem is it's only supported by a couple different podcast platforms right now. You know, you can't do this through Spotify, for example. Right, right. right. Us in in uh, in Sats through Spotify, but <laughs> you know, hopefully, more and more platforms like start using this. Uh, I don't think like Spotify would ever do it because it, you know, I don't see how it helps them. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would they enable that? But it is pretty cool. Like people can essentially they can tip us per minute if they want, you know, two sats a minute or whatever, or they can just send us like a tip. You know, they can say, here's a hundred sats, like great episode. And yeah, it's like a direct way and no one can deplatform you. It's like as long as your podcast exists, it's tied to the RSS feed basically. Yeah, it's it's super cool. And we got some, we got a few. So whoever tipped us, I have no idea who tipped us. So that's the other thing. It's completely anonymous. (laughs) Uh, Whoever sent some tips after the update episode, thank you. And it worked. So I appreciate that. We should, we should just launch a uh, a think coin. Do a, there you go. MYT membership. Do it, do a discord. (laughs) (laughs) You get an NFT. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Proof proof of based. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> but yeah, so that's pretty like that type of stuff is really interesting to me. Um, because the deplatforming thing is yeah, I mean, it, it got really bad this past year. It was like as long as you know, if you had any kind of audience and you talked about something that wasn't on the approved list at that yeah. particular moment in time, you know, <laughs> you were like you're essentially kicked off. I mean, well, not yeah, and, always, but yeah. And did you see the new like Twitter CEO stuff, right? Like, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough about it, but I will say, um, it seems to have gotten worse post Jack. Yeah, definitely seems to have gotten worse post Jack. He just had that that one like Twitter thread or whatnot where he was saying like we shouldn't we shouldn't let freedom of speech get in the way of like creating a good platform or whatnot, which like you can definitely interpret in the positive sense. 
or an A positive sense, but you can also take it in a like pretty negative one too. I just was like, this is the worst thing with all of these alternative social platforms. It's like somebody needs to make one that's, you know, decentralized or whatever and trustless and good, but that isn't just like a ultra conservative festering pit of terrible right opinions. exactly like, just <laughs> like, make one that's it, like <laughs> yeah <laughs> is it possible to make one that doesn't turn into that or is it just like because i yeah God, i don't know i don't remember who explained this but it was such a good way of putting it where both liberals and conservatives have a like cohort of the like extreme version of you know many of their ideas where it's just like way too far and like nobody's really okay with those ideas but for some reason with like uh with like more liberal groups and the super extreme people there's this like there's a bit more of a, a tolerance for keeping them in the in group whereas with kind of the conservative version of like extreme beliefs there's this clear like oh no you're like bad people you need to go over there right yeah and <laughs> like you don't have nazis in polite company i mean that's just yeah, not exactly. done but you could have a socialist <laughs> yeah yeah or uh, uh, not a socialist a communist yeah you, you, you communist, could have somebody yeah. who like reveres you know mao and stalin and that would be okay but somebody who reveres hitler would not be okay right and you know that's what you I mean. could argue yeah. that now and Stalin, you know, they killed a lot more people, right? Like, obviously, all of them are terrible, but the idea that like revering one of them is okay and the other isn't, right, is like this weird, uh, it's like a weird permission thing, right? Like, revering any of them should yeah, be like, I wonder a huge where that red comes flag. from. I, I, I wonder where that comes from. Like, because that, yeah. that has always been weird to me that it's okay to, you know, Hitler is like one line, and then, you know, you can. You're allowed to respect uh, and say even nice things publicly. Like it's not considered offensive to say nice things about Mao or even like Stalin or Castro. It's just like fine. It's a very strange uh, double standard. Yeah. And I well, I just know, wonder I where that comes from. I like I think part yeah. of my theory, my theory is that like these, like all the deaths that they caused, people will say, oh, that was like a side effect. Right. Yeah, or it exactly. was like, oh, it you wasn't always blame it on something else. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were like trying to. They were trying to do the right thing, but this just like, yeah, well, it just you know, to America was the cause or like some other. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They just happened yeah. to. Like, it's not really there. It, it wasn't their intention. Whereas, like with Hitler, you can, you know, clearly say yeah, it was his intention. Pretty clear intention. Yeah. Um, that, that probably is a part of the difference. But when we look at sort of like outcomes of the political philosophy, right? It's like, oh, wow. yeah. Those guys seem pretty bad too. Yeah, yeah and so a lot I, of it was intentional too. I mean, it's like they they had plausible deniability, but if you start like looking into a lot of it, it was some of it was like revenge. Like I read a lot about the Cultural Revolution uh, a couple years ago, and that time, I mean, that stuff is wild. The stuff that they used to do. I mean, I'll, I'll uh, I have a thread that I did a couple of years ago on Twitter. I'll try to put that in the in the show notes where I just had like a bunch of these quotes from a couple of books that I was reading, and I mean, it was. It was brutal. And it was a lot of it was intentional. We should do an episode on that because I, I don't actually know that much about it. I have like a very surface level understanding. But the reason I'm interested in it is have you followed or seen the growth of the anti work subreddit at all? I've just seen like some posts about it, but I haven't actually clicked on anything. So no, I probably don't yeah. know much about it. Well, this is just one of my like little. I feel like canary in the coal mine things that makes me worried about like 
you know, serious social unrest in the US is like, you know, we there's this like significant wealth disparity, which I think is like largely incentivized by like poor policy decisions that don't seem to be getting any better. And then you add on this like, you know, strong inflation effect on top of it. And inflation is like great for rich people who own assets and it's like terrible for anybody who doesn't own assets. Right. So it's like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this effect where a lot of people who were already rich that we knew like two years ago made just like an insane amount of money over the last two years and like did extremely well. And people who didn't have, you know, assets or businesses or things like that did like extremely poorly, right? Like it, it definitely accelerated this like wealth divide. And then you add on kind of like this teaser of stimulus checks where you can like stay home and not work and get money. And then you've got, now you have this like rising or like growing and growing group of people who are, you know, anti-work and anti-business for I think like pretty defensible reasons given their like life circumstances. Right. And a lot of that mentality is what drove these kind of like populist uprisings against the like, you know, call it like wealthy merchant, whatever class, like historically, at least as I understand those historical events. But it would be interesting to like read more about them and try to understand a bit more of that context and like what led to it because you read some of the stuff in anti-work and it really feels like you know if you gave those people a few guillotines like they would be pretty happy to pull the cord like it it gets really dark really fast going back to the censorship thing like reddit doesn't seem to be doing anything about it right they were more than happy to ban these you know fringe conservative groups that were like you know, posting really pretty awful shit. But when these like fringe liberal groups post really awful shit, it it's almost like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to let that keep going. It's it's a weird double standard. Yeah. Even though arguably like the heads of these social media companies would also be on the chopping block, right? Oh, if yeah, like, sure. <laughs> like, you don't think Zuckerberg would be on the, <laughs> on the chopping block if that, if that ever happened, like, oh man. Yeah. I, I don't quite get it, but, um, yeah, that reminded me of uh, like I read the uh, Gulag Archipelago last year. Finally, mm. it's been sitting on my bookshelf for like three years, probably. Was it, was it good? Um, was it worth it? It was really good. It was it was really really good. You know, because it's a tra- like I don't actually know if it's a translation or if he wrote it in English, but his English is not like like he's Soviet, right? So okay, yeah. Um, it, I don't know if you've ever tried reading like those uh, Russian translation, like the old Russian novels and stuff, but there's always like something a little bit different about how they write. Um, mm-hmm. So it took a little bit to get past, you know, you just have to get used to it basically. Cause it's not like colloquial English, I guess. But once you get past that, like, I mean, the content is incredible. So the thing that you were just saying that it reminded me of was he was talking about like crime in the early days of the, of the Soviet union, like after the revolution. And one of the things he said that was never prosecuted was robberies of small businesses. Like of people who had like if even if you just had like a farm or you had like a little shop or whatever, like they would never prosecute that. Yeah. And his theory was that basically like the middle class is kind of the like the true enemy of like a kind of a communist uh revolution. Like it's not actually the wealthy because the wealthy would the not even the wealthy, like the powerful essentially yeah, will they still would be maintain insulated. their power. Right. Yeah, because they're still needed by the the new regime, right? So right. like if you run let's say you ran like the largest oil company, you know, in Russia. And yeah. I don't know if that was even a thing at that time, but let's say you did. 
you know, the new regime still needs oil because they still have a military, they still have transportation, like you would still need oil. So uh, whoever was running that, like if you were a key person in that organization, like you're probably fine. But if you are, you know, like a little middle-class, like grocery shop owner, they don't really need you. Yeah. Well, that, that's actually a really... Actually, not good. only they don't need you, they really don't want you because you're more sovereign than like a surf. You know, like they either want you right. to be a surf or be a, you know, helpful to them. That's a good point. Yeah. And I mean, that that's kind of like what we're seeing now, right? Where it's like businesses in San Francisco and whatnot are basically having to board up because the city is just not prosecuting theft. <laughs> so people are just like walking yeah, into wild. Walgreens and whatnot and filling up garbage bags, taking stuff. And then... You people know, don't believe you're me when not, I say that, by the way. Like, if someone hasn't seen that stuff, yeah, there, there's like a surprising. Yeah. I, you know, I, I do believe a, you know, the criticism that okay, it's not as widespread as people are trying to make it seem, but it's also clearly happening. Like, there's very, there's like very obvious video footage of people doing this, and yeah. the, the police apparently doing nothing about it. And if you read the like recall, you know, Chesa Boudin stuff, it seems like there's pretty extensive evidence of them just like failing to prosecute a lot of these crimes. And then you saw that in like the a lot of the rioting and destruction that followed the George Floyd protests, right? Where nobody was attacking like big business, like nobody burned down an Amazon warehouse, right? That, I've like, always no- wanted, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like never Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the small local businesses that and that suffered the most from it, you know, in like Chicago and where not. So, which is kind of like. It's a it's a weird thing where okay you can understand the the anger against a lot of these huge companies but then if you're going to be angry at them like punish them <laughs> you know right don't not the like little guy yeah 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 because I mean I mean running a small local business is like pretty fucking hard right like a lot of those companies are you know razor thin margins like barely staying oh, yeah. business and have we done an episode since we tried to do the cat or since we did the cafe I don't think we have really. I think it's we like, we did the lev- we did a couple, but yeah, not we did a couple, not, yeah, not many. Yep, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like many. Uh, opening one of those businesses is really hard, right? And you know, we, we, thankfully, we didn't see too much of it in Austin, but just the amount of or like the combination of primarily like poor policy around like COVID restrictions and just like the damage that did to local businesses around the country is like really awful. I know somebody who works on Google Maps and they were saying like based on Google Maps API data, something like 20 to 30% of all businesses in the US had to like shut down permanently. Oh, so wow. that's, that's like, a lot. that's a lot. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like, it just goes back to that. Like, you know, this is probably going to, I would not be surprised if when we look back on these two years in 10, 20 years, they get seen as like, the most significant acceleration in creating a larger wealth divide, right? In right, recent exactly. history. And then the, I mean, the social net, it makes total sense. Huh. Yeah. It, it makes total sense that like, I mean, think about it. If you like your cafe versus like Starbucks, like Starbucks can, you know, wait out anything that's sort of happening. I mean, they have deeper pockets, they can borrow yeah. money. I mean, there's a lot of advantages to that. And if you're just I mean, obviously you do more than just the cafe. Like that was never your only thing. But if it was, let's say it's like a family business that you guys had been, you know, running for a few years and stuff, and that's your main source of income, like I'm sure you don't have the cash reserves <laughs> if that's your main thing to just like no. wait out two years. Yeah. And so it's like, who's more likely to to shut down? 
you. And then in two years, when the Starbucks is the only game in town, like, okay, they're going to get more money because anybody who used to go to your place is now going to Starbucks. Yeah. I mean, have you heard the stat about like one in four or five new businesses that opens is a dollar store right now? Um, what? Yeah. Our dollar stores. I need to fact check right, myself Jamie. on this. Oh Jamie my God. Yeah. Over, f- yeah. 40% of new stores opening in the US are dollar stores. Right. And it's like, it's the same basically three big ones. It's like Dollar Tree, Family Dollar, Dollar General. And there are a lot of those. Yeah. So basically, like, all of these small businesses had to close in the last two years. And then these chains are just taking over all of that business. Like that's not a good thing. <laughs> like it's, you know, it, I, I feel like we're the, the social consequences of a lot of this stuff could be like just getting started, especially if we see a, an extended recession from, you know, Fed rate hikes and turning off the money printer. But if we don't turn off the money so printer, then we get inflation. And it's like, it's a kind of shitty situation to be in. I mean, uh, we put ourselves there for sure. <laughs> like a lot of this yeah. is self-inflicted wounds, as bad as that is, uh, bad as that sounds. But I guess the other thing too that this adds uh, is fragility, right, to the system. Mm-hmm. Because now, if you have fewer, I would guess. I don't know if this has anything to do with today's supply chain issues, but I'd guess if you have like a thousand companies versus three companies, right? Yeah. Three companies are probably sourcing very similarly because let's say Walmart, Target. And Costco or something, right? Like, yeah, they all are probably going for the lowest price at the best, you know, the best quality at the lowest price that they can possibly get. But if you have a thousand different retailers, they all have their own preferences, right? Some may go for like the highest quality stuff. Some might have like, oh, I just am going to go to my buddy in this next town who makes, you know, the, this product. I'm just going to buy it from him, even though my prices are slightly worse. But I know, you know, I know him and he does good work. Uh, somebody else might go to like the cheapest quality stuff. So you just have more variety. Right, it's kind of like biodiversity in that sense too. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And so, I mean, if, if Walmart yeah. goes under, a lot of small towns like don't have groceries anymore. Yeah, or it's if there's like, even just a problem with their supply chain, that's like yeah. you have one supply chain, right, backing that whole town versus having well, that's you know multiple. That's what we saw with meat. You know, over the last year, year and a half, is it, it really exposed just how fragile the meat supply chain is, and it. You know, one, you probably shouldn't be buying meat at a grocery store anyway, right? If if you have I the option, I finally stopped that this year. I finally yeah. stopped that. It took me a long time to it's uh, like the because I found it more intimidating to like. There's an there's a website which I'll find and put in the show notes. But Justin Mares had put it in his newsletter like Eat last wild? year. Is that the one where you can like search for local local uh, yeah yeah farms and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's super helpful. Um, and that's where I eventually, you know, like I started using that and that's where I've been buying. But yeah, but before that, I'd always buy it at the grocery store. Yeah. And I mean, that supply chain just like fell apart. And I think it's still under a lot of pressure. And so uh, maybe Justin was explaining this because you know, he understands food supply chains really well, obviously. But right. A lot of a lot of these big grocery stores are on like futures contracts for a lot of their inventory, mm, like including meat and stuff. And so even though we're hitting issues now, the prices are locked in based on those contracts. And so we haven't seen the full effect of the price increases yet, and they won't be fully implemented for another like three to six months on a lot of things. So you could still see another like 50% hike in the price of like all meat at grocery stores and whatnot between now and June or July. I wonder how many people like- that's pricing out of meat. 
Too. Yeah, well, and that's a, I mean, that's another huge problem, right? Is it's like the probably like one of the most nutritious things they should be able to get at the grocery store are is just going to like very quickly become unaffordable, eat, and then it's just eat Impossible Burger, or the bugs, man, just eat the bugs. Oh God, yeah, just eat the bugs. <laughs> just eat the bugs. <laughs> eat your eat your crickets. Drink your soylent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. I, I mean like that, that is a real problem though. Like if you were, I mean, like somebody who works a uh, minimum wage type job, I don't think people are getting paid. Like too many people are getting paid minimum wage in the labor shortage right now. Cause I've seen, like, I'm sure you've seen this too. Like even fast food places are, are paying a lot more than they used to. Yeah. But even then, like, let's say you're making 17, $18 an hour after like taxes and all your expenses, like you are still pretty tight, I'm guessing, at the end, you know, when you have to fa- look at your food budget. And if the cost of, you know, chicken doubles, like that is probably going to make you think twice about eating, you know, chicken as often. You might sub it for something else. That's kind of, that's really sad. I'd be really pissed off. I mean, if that was in, like, so to your point about like that anti work um, subreddit, like I can kind of understand why a lot of people are angry. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing this, is it's like, yeah. it's a completely reasonable way to feel like if you're in that life situation, right? It's just like the system's gotten like really, really kind of fucked the last couple of years. And it feels like the, you know, one of the worst parts about it is we just have like hardly any inspiring politicians to look to, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, like yep. <laughs> I would feel so much better about these problems if I had like any faith in the competence of our, our leaders and institutions to resolve these things. But I feel like I've just got into such a, a, a hopeless space with all of it. And I don't know about you, but I just like, like our, our government feels like this hilarious, like TV show now to me. Yeah, where it's like, oh yeah, we just get to like follow this drama, and it's like, oh, it's so silly. Like, look what they did this week, or look what they're saying now, right? Like, haha. And that's like a, about the level of respect for the competence I have now, uh, which is not yep. like a good situation to be in. Right? <laughs> like, no, not at all, not at all. I've come to the like, at least I don't know if this has always been like this, but at least in the current time we're in, I don't think it attracts anybody who is halfway competent or smart to go into that field. Like, and, I don't, and that's the worst, you thing. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's not just a single not one of my smart best. friends is remotely interested in going into politics. Like, do you know right. anybody? No. Who, yeah. No. It like, that <laughs> actually, I know like some people problem. who are very mediocre, uh, who from like <laughs> past lives, basically that I know who are interested in it. And I'm just like, I, you're probably going into the right field for you, but you're yeah, not the smartest people that I know. (laughs) And then the other, I mean, the other part of it too, is like, you kind of have to be a little bit of a, it's not the right word, but like, you have to be a little bit of a psychopath to want to go into it because one, you're just going to be exposed to like a whole bunch of shit in the like campaigning process. Right. It's just going to suck. And then the second part is you're, if you win, you get to like control people's lives, which just isn't that interesting (laughs) to to most people. Like you're just having, you know, like, I feel like most people, this may be naive, but I feel like most people are generally live and let live type people for the most part. Obviously there's a lot of exceptions, but uh, just generally most people don't want to control what other people are doing if they're not, uh, if it doesn't affect them. Right. With that caveat. Yeah, uh, but in politics, you like that's literally your job is to <laughs> to control what people are doing, and I mean, it's just yeah, it's like 
I just, I don't see how you get out of that, right? Like maybe that's overly pessimistic, but I, I don't see how you get more talented people in there in the current system. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really a like fourth turning type thing, right? Have you read that yep. book? Oh no, I did, but we never did the episode. Oh yeah. You know, Actually, we, we, we have to do that episode. Okay. We, we got to do, do that episode. episode. Yeah. Okay. I read so, it so at the same time as you, we just never. Yeah. It. Yeah. We never recorded it. All right. We should do that one. Uh, Cause yeah, it's like you, you need some sort of major, I think overhaul, right? Like that's, that's why you rarely see companies turn around their significant decline without some oh, yeah. major, major event, right? And countries is probably the same way. Right? I mean, we would just, it feels like we would need such a significant overhaul in like the federal government. I mean, something like states electing super competent governors and then holding some sort of new constitutional Congress to like overhaul the whole federal system. Right. Like I don't even know what it looks like because nothing like that has happened in the last 150 years. Right. So they're longer, right? Like uh, 200. I mean, civil war. Oh, I guess. Yeah. You could say that. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yep. Yeah. That's true. Uh, But then, and so it's like, okay, well, you know, then there's this other option of kind of like opting out, right? And just get a bunch of friends, go live in a small town outside a major city where the federal politics like really doesn't affect you. And, you know, you can just kind of enjoy life out there. And I've definitely biased more and more into that camp because, I mean, it, it feels very hopeless dealing with the US government at this point. I have no expectation that they're suddenly going to become like competent overnight. So, <laughs> you know, the, yeah, I, the, I feel like on, on what I, I, I'm biased to that as well. Um, but the, the counter argument is that, uh, these people won't leave you alone. Like, you know, they might leave you alone yeah. for now. It'll buy you some time. Yeah, exactly. Eventually you're going to have to deal with it. It's probably easier exactly. to try to yeah. deal with it sooner than later. I don't know. I don't know if it's easier to deal with. I mean, you could also say, you know, if you go away and don't have to deal with it for a while, you can focus on your your work and accumulate I mean, more bad, resources. But, but if we yeah. wait, if we just wait like ten years, a lot of these people will be dead. Maybe the like <laughs> that's new, probably true. <laughs> maybe the new generation of politicians will like want to make things better. I don't know. Right? Is I mean, like, the, the the like the, the I mean, we're going to be doing the uh, dictator's handbook uh, yeah. soon, and so there's a lot of interesting stuff in that. Which I don't know when that book was written. But there's a lot of things in that book that the authors talk about uh, happening in um, dictatorships or authoritarian systems, mm-hmm. which they say don't happen, doesn't happen as much in uh, democratically elected systems. But a lot of those things actually, I would say, are happening today. Like one of the biggest things is like blatant. I mean, I'm just going to say it like blatant corruption type things that are very out there in the, in the public. So like the thing that immediately came to mind when they were talking about that was the Inside Pelosi. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, this is the Pelosi like stock tracking stuff, right? Like, God, such, a, <laughs> such a crook, like the, just the audacity to be saying that like, Oh, you know, we want to know every time you move more than $600 in your bank account. And at the meantime, like just getting completely rich off of insider trading from, you know, congressional information. It's like, <laughs> the, the best thing was the, my favorite one was when a reporter finally asked her, like, uh, you know, would you be in favor of a ban against uh, Congress oh, uh, yeah. members of Congress owning individual stocks? And she's like, this is a free market and we would not restrict the ability of Congress people to participate in that. And I yeah. Was like, this is a free market. Really? <laughs> yeah. This it doesn't feel very market. free. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, there was some yeah. other congressperson who said, no, this is part of our compensation. Like, I want to find that one. <laughs> yeah, I want to find that one because that was. Yeah, see, that's exactly quote. that's exactly it. Uh, that's yeah. exactly like the type of thing that in the book they were talking about that happens in like authoritarian systems. Cause it's like, what are you going to do about it? Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Like, well, <laughs> you know, if we can put this in your face because you know, if I'm the leader of this poor country, I can drive a Rolls Royce, uh, because yeah. what are you going to do about it? It's um, like that and, and the, the yeah. blatant lying, right. From, from both sides. Right. Where it was, is this weird, like just politicians saying things that are so easily disprovable and you know, right. verifiably false it was like two seconds of research and you know just using it to like whip up votes and like excite their base and I, that's probably always gone on it's just weird yeah now when like two seconds of googling you can figure out like oh this is just false right right and i don't know like here I mean, like so here's something which i don't know enough about how the uh like how the u.s system works there's probably somebody mm-hmm. who knows a lot more than me about this but if there were on like a national ballot something that said like i don't know i'm just gonna make it up this is gonna sound uh maybe overly uh maybe overly extreme but i feel like it would get a lot of support so if there was something on the national ballot that said all like congress people with a net worth over like a million dollars have a 99 percent wealth tax yeah. on their net worth over a million dollars. I feel like that would pass. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like the majority of people would probably support that. Now, Congress people, I don't think would be very thrilled about that. And they'd come up with all sorts of reasons why that's yeah, yeah. wrong. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there are a lot of people on both sides though, who are, who feel the same way, like what we just said that, you know, the system's kind of almost too far gone kind of thing. And yeah. um yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people who probably feel that way and uh, would would want to punish Congress people with something like that. But yeah, it's all coming. I don't, in. I, don't, I don't see a way. I don't see a way out. Like for from a political standpoint. Well, maybe we can solve it with our now relaunched podcast. <laughs> well, we did have we have had a politician on. Sure, we had uh, Andrew Yang yes, on before he was Yang like a big on. deal. I, I <laughs> yeah. think that's so cool. Like he, you know, he. He'd done the Sam Harris podcast, but he was still really, really early when we talked to him. Yeah. And I, the the one thing that I like, it was very clear that he got like training after <laughs> yes. we met. <laughs> like, like because he, he was so much more chill when we talked to him, and then he became like serious professional, you know, Wasn't politician. Wasn't he like Andrew. in his car? Wasn't yeah, he, he was, in his car was, or something? I think he was like dropping like his kid off at us? daycare or something. Yeah. <laughs> he called it from his phone. It was great. It was so fun. That was that was one of my favorites. Yeah. Then he became um, then he got like much more professional after that. But yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. That was, was super great. cool. But I do um, have to hop into this other meeting. Um, but the important thing is we are back. We're here to think about stuff, talk about some books. Oh, and what what are the books that are upcoming? So if people want to read ahead, so yeah, you mentioned so the we have, handbook. Uh, Dictator's Handbook is coming in a couple weeks. Um, before that, we have uh, The Quest of the Simple Life, which is coming uh, probably in about a week or so. Probably post that. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then a few others after that, which we'll share uh, in a couple weeks. It's going to be good. I'm excited to be back. Be I missed good. you, man. I know. I missed you too. My uh, my mission was successful. Our catch up. Uh, <laughs> for those, oh, yeah. Yeah. So the context was Nat and I had an hour and a half catch up 
scheduled for today. And then I opened our catch up by talking about the podcast. And that was like, maybe we should just do this. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. Yeah, we, so, we, we did like 30 yeah. minutes of catch up and I was like, man, we should just record this and this could be the real <laughs> catch up episode. So, yeah, we are, we're back. We, we missed we you guys. We'll be back um, yeah, but as always, soon. as always, you can uh, follow us on Twitter, talk to us there. I'm at the real Neil S. I'm at Nat Eliasson. And yeah. uh, if, again, if you want to support the show, uh, you can probably Fountain is the easiest podcast app right now to, uh, mm-hmm. to tip us in sets. Um, yeah. I don't send think we're going to do sponsors. Uh, send us some boomer coin. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Hey, lightning's pretty cool. <laughs> have you, have you played around with it by the way? Yeah, it's fine. Lightning's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's cool. I like yeah. it. And you can't do all like the deep, actually you can't, you can actually, they don't have DeFi, but they have, uh, there, there is some initial like smart contracts coming up cool. on it as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I can I can do a lot of my Windows XP machine too, yeah. but <laughs> doesn't mean it's the future. All right, and on that note, um, <laughs> we are back. At We're back. Park. Alrighty, we'll see you guys soon. See you guys soon.